The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 107 for Monday, June 11th, 2007. I am here at WWDC. <laughs> Hi, John. Sorry. Low bandwidth. Go ahead. Yeah, the Skype connection sucks. And uh, because of the setup here, I'm hearing a massive echo on me. But at least I can hear John. And that's a good thing. So, Hi. How are you, John? Uh, good. I'm going to guess that the problem you're having is probably you're in the same same general area as I, uh, I would say thousands of other Mac crazy developer types are trying to get on the net at the same time. So, hey, I, I would think so. Yeah, there's there were like five thousand people here. So, really? Wow. That's, yeah, it's pretty impressive for a developers conference. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, Mac Observer did a great job. I was, uh, you know, at the uh, the day job, but I was checking the live coverage was uh, was awesome. I think, and also the uh, you know post uh, post event coverage as well was really good. So uh, I, I believe you were you were hanging out in the audience there. Um, the keynote, Dave. I was in the keynote. Yep, absolutely. And uh, it wait it. Hang on, I got to fix something here. Sorry, I had to. Yeah. Uh, just audio hijack here. It's uh, I couldn't deal with the echo, and it's a big mess. But anyway, uh, so yeah, so we're here. I was I was at the keynote today. Uh, obviously, that that's the the one thing of WWDC that we can talk about. Uh, TMO did some coverage, as John just mentioned, and uh, and and so there were a bunch of interesting things. I took some notes, John. You said you had some questions for me, so we will uh, we will talk through this and and see how it sounds and if it sounds halfway decent i'll uh, i'll upload it as slowly as the connection will allow me to uh, while i eat my dinner later and we'll we'll see how this goes mm-hmm. so you were mentioning okay. so i guess we had to start yeah we had to start there so i guess you were there uh, using our trusted uh vehicle the uh, the uh cell phone since getting wireless and in, in that area is probably a futile attempt uh but but i guess you were starting off here and i guess the first just after all the, I meant uh, you notice the uh, the store wasn't closed at about twelve fifty three in our coverage, but it did close for for a strange reason. So so I thought that was kind of an interesting thing that you guys noticed at the, uh, at the beginning of the coverage. But then they started up the a video or or a few things at the beginning, which uh, maybe you could go into a little bit. Yeah, the John the John Hodgman video that started was great. It it actually reminded me of of the first live keynote that you and I did back in ninety nine. John Hodgman came on the on the screen, uh, posing as Steve Jobs. And of course, back in '99 in New York, when when you and I did our first live coverage together, we had uh, Noah Wiley come on stage, posing as Steve Jobs. And uh, so I, I, I had a nice memory there. And they, I don't know if they posted that that video or if that's available on the web somewhere. I imagine I imagine they're posting the WWDC keynote video somewhere, and uh, and you can see that as the as the show starts, it was, it was just, you know, it was cute. It was a nice, it was a nice little, little start to the, uh, to the festivities as it were. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's quite up yet. Sometimes they have a delay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, they did that, but I, I guess one of the first things that, uh, just want to pick your brain on here is that, you know, they were just talking about, um, you know, some of the really cool, interesting things that are happening on OS 10 to get the, developers really excited and one of the first few things i noticed here is uh you know i guess you and i probably noticed that you know games are a bit lacking uh or not quite on par with their PC counterpart and i guess one of the first things that uh steve did was to bring a few people up on stage uh to talk about 
games on the Mac, which, you know, just the developers go nuts. So, so I'll let you talk a bit more about what you saw as some of the uh, personalities and uh, some of the games. Uh, yeah, that, well, uh, I, are gonna I, th- be coming. I think it's great. Uh, excellent to see that, that EA is planning simultaneous releases of a bunch of their games. I, I know they were all mentioned in the coverage. I think um, the Harry Potter game was one of them, uh, Command & Conquer 3. Mm-hmm. A uh, bunch of games coming out, simultaneous release on Mac, presumably Mac, Intel only. That that would be my guess, uh, though that wasn't explicitly stated. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make that leap there, and uh, you know Mac, Windows, uh, PlayStation, uh, Xbox, PlayStation Three, Xbox Three Sixty, and uh, no, I, th- I thought it was cool. There there, there were you know it's it, it, yeah it's good it's good so there you go. So, so I think you you were hinting at, but uh, you know our pal uh, John uh, Carmack there, who has uh, had many things to say throughout the uh, you know the years about you know OS ten and uh, the Motorola platform and just the you know different graphic cards and all that. But apparently, this was the uh, the first time that I guess John announced a, a new, uh, as you hinted at, uh, a new gaming architecture um, that is going to let you write games or run games. I think it's called uh, ID Tech 5. And apparently this was the first time it was announced. I'm actually looking at the uh, uh, id software ID id yep. whatever software page and it shows uh, you know, John Carmack presents uh, id Tech 5 at WWDC 07 and it shows a, a very nice picture of, uh, of John. Also a very nice picture of uh, Steve there kind of stroking his, his beard. Uh, all the nice, very black and white, very stylish photos here. But I guess it's a big announcement that there's going to be a common gaming platform for a lot of the, uh, you know, future games uh, yeah. cross-platform. So it's not an extra effort for the developers to uh, target uh, OS X out there on Intel. Yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see what comes of that. The the Carmack thing was a lot less about what's coming immediately and more about here's this cool thing we've been working on and it was cool to see uh it'll be interesting to see what the what the end result of all that is and and I imagine we'll you know in the next uh, 6 to 18 months we'll we'll begin to see some of that. He did hint at another announcement but we don't know what that is. Uh he said that'll that'll come at I guess their QuakeCon or or something like that. I, I did notice something uh at, at one point and and I tried to post this to the live coverage. It was the one thing that I that for whatever reason didn't make it from my cell phone up to the uh, yeah. So so actually, l- l- I want to take a step back and, and just talk about the live coverage because that is kind of a geeky thing to talk about here. Um, we we use Blogger as as the common interface, so we can have multiple people publishing things in multiple ways, and it all winds up. Uh, Blogger is just the the engine that we use. It takes care of of uploading each of these little posts, formatting them into one HTML file, and then uploading them to the server where we run the live coverage from. And, uh, and so Brian was connected with the web interface uh, through his, on his MacBook Pro using uh, his singular razor, I guess, uh, Bluetooth to, to connect. Like you, like you said, Wi-Fi was, uh, it was f- spotty. It came in and out. They actually have two Wi-Fi networks, but they were, they were floating in and out. So Brian used his cell phone. I was actually just using my cell phone uh, on my Trio, emailing stuff to a special email address that then publishes to the web. And that's where some of those pictures came from. Uh, this was our first attempt at doing pictures, live pictures for a keynote. And it worked fine. The The only limitation, of course, is my, the camera in my Trio sucks. So there's no, uh, 
the, the, the quality of the pictures wasn't what I would have wanted it to be. But version 1.0, we, we will get better with that. So, uh, But th- there was one, one point at which Steve was doing a little demo and he went to, to switch to another app. And a, a little window came up that said the application World of Warcraft uh, has unexpectedly quit. And he muttered, mm. some, yeah, yeah. And he muttered something like, and now he wasn't running Warcraft, nor was it apparent uh, on the screen, right? But, but clearly it quit. And, uh, and so he just clicked through it and kept on trucking. But later when he did the spaces demo, the spaces being these virtual workspaces, uh, World mm. of Warcraft was one of the apps running in one of the spaces. And I noticed when he switched to it, it was running and happy. So they either had two computers running that that he just switched to the other one set up in an identical setup or somebody behind the scenes was really on the ball and fired up world of warcraft while he was doing something else and got that machine in business i did notice two eyesight cameras uh on the top of the monitor that he was using so my guess is that uh that they've got two simul you know two identical machines set up ready to go so but that was interesting to see okay well, we know from past keynotes and other events that Steve, I mean, first off, Steve is just probably one of the best tech presenters ever. I mean, you know, Gates and Baltimore and Newsville. Uh, on the other hand, we've seen Steve, and when things don't go right, I mean, it, it, it's very hard. I mean, it, it, actually, i, I got to give him credit. Steve, he's gotten a lot better when things don't go well. <laughs> yeah, well, remember, something, okay. something went wrong at, at the Macworld keynote. And he used it as an opportunity to just tell a story about the uh, the blue box. Days. That was great. Yeah, yeah. So no, okay. it, Rather than hurling something at somebody, he he which yeah, we've reminisced seen. about the yeah. you know the rich history of Apple. Um, so anyway, so now uh, so after all the gaming stuff and, and the observation you made, then he went on to what I think most people were there for, which is talk about OS ten, and um, I can you know click out some of the numbers here if you like, but I, I guess. Uh, and then you maybe can go on to some of the, the, the cool features, but I guess, you know, Steve said initially that, or, you know, right now that we have about 22 million Mac OS 10 users, two thirds of them on Tiger from the figures that I got from our you know, live coverage. And uh, he said that basically that's, that's a great thing. And there's lots of people coming over. There's still some people on Panther, but uh, once Leopard comes out, I'm sure that'll change. So, you know, 22 million users, that's, that's pretty darn good. Yeah, um, and I think it meets the uh, the guidance that uh, you know he's given to to the marketplace and all that. Um, but anyways, but then I think he did you know ten of the major features uh, of OS ten. A lot of them you know are leopard. A lot of them aren't a surprise. But uh, but I'm just wondering out of all the ones that I got listed here in, in the notes I sent you, Dave, anything you know that really you know jumped out at you out of these uh, nine or ten. Or so that he uh, he went over the the new desktop and finder, which I'll I'll lump together. Um, it's not really a new feature; it's more just a, a series of enhancements. Uh, th- that's nice to see. I mean, the the finder had gotten a little long in the tooth. The whole the whole user experience. You know, we had some brushed metal and and some. You know, the, the regular windows. There was no real clear way to tell what the active window was versus all the other windows. And now I don't know how much you could tell from uh, from the pictures that they put online, but seeing it there, it was clear. What they've done is they've totally unified all the windows. So everything, even you know apps that are running, 
the windows are all unified. And there is a very distinct difference between inactive windows and active windows. The active window, you know, previously it was just, they basically changed the color of the, uh, they, or they took the color out of the, the uh, close, minimize, and, and expand buttons. And that was it, you know, when a window went inactive. Now it, it totally fades out and then the active window actually gets – I don't know. And again, I don't know how, how apparent this was, but the active window actually gets a drop shadow around it. So it, it really pops when you, when you move to it and it, it, that, it, I think that will make a huge difference. It, you know, it's one of those things that Apple probably spent quite a bit of time tweaking and, and, uh, and Steve didn't talk – I mean he talked about it in general, but he didn't talk about the specifics a whole lot. I I think that that's going to be huge. To be honest with you, um, so, cool. Yeah. Now, um, let me ask you. We noticed before uh, we were kind of right and wrong in in the you know typically a lot of these events you know especially Mac and WWDC if there's new hardware or new goodies they'll close down the Apple Store and put up a sticky note saying the store is closed closed come back later we noted that on our site as well but um, they didn't close the store I think for the reason that we thought and I think one of them was. Uh, as you were hinting at with these new features, is they gave the the whole, as far as I can see, the entire Apple website pretty uh, subtle. I don't know if I'd say subtle, but a, a revamp. That, that's what I hear. I, you know, like I said, and as you can all hear on John's connection here, uh, the wireless access today for me has been very spotty. So frankly, I haven't seen any of the new enhancements to Apple.com, etc. But I'll take your word for it. Oh, okay. All right. But, but yeah, I mean, it's basically, you know, black background, silver top on the, the left is an Apple logo, store, Mac, iPod and iTunes, iPhone, okay, has its own heading, download support, and then a search oh. spotlight. It has the little, little glass there, and it says right now, at least the, the page I have here, Leopard Conquered Time and Spaces, which, uh, okay. Well, no, see, no, that <laughs> makes sense, right? Because nice. that's, that's Time Machine. Right, the time and then right. spaces is the the new uh, virtual uh, desktops that that you've got in in Leopard. Was this, so maybe that wasn't clear. And this is a feature that I believe they've talked about before in Leopard, where if you've got instead of just having all your apps running and all up at the same time, you can you can define virtual workspaces where you've got all your apps running, but you've got let's say your productivity apps. You've got you know your email and your calendar. Uh, productivity is the wrong term, but let's say you got email, calendar, and, and contacts in in one space, and then in another space you've got let's say your office apps. So you've got Word and Excel, and then in another space you might have some games running, and in another space you might have Photoshop and InDesign, and and you can switch to these spaces very quickly, uh, assuming you've got enough RAM to have all these apps running. But you're not cluttering your desktop, uh, and this especially makes a difference for for portable users. But but I think it. it works for anybody uh, so that's what spaces is so so there you go okay so we have some of that now i'm um, looking over some of the other features here uh if you think they're worthy of comment uh quick look file preview i mean for, from you and i've talked about this in the past there's there is a there's already some form of file preview in the finder already does this add a heck of a lot to uh to that experience or uh Oh, I think so. Because I think you're you're getting this in in multiple views. You're not you're not forced to to work in just one view to get those previews. And and also, mm-hmm. Finder icons are now uh, live updating, meaning that they'll 
the icon will be relevant to the content of the app or of the content of the document. So if you've got a picture document, you don't just get a JPEG icon. You actually get an icon that shows the contents of the, the file, the same with PDFs and, and that sort of thing. So that's pretty cool. Okay, nice. Now, the next thing I saw in you and I, you know, I passed the episode, which I think was one of our more, more popular ones, but so he's saying full, full 64-bit support and letter. Um, did that? Uh, I, I would imagine that got you know good reaction from the uh, the crowd there. Yeah, ju- what you said was full sixty four bit support in Leopard. It, it, you you chopped up a little bit, so I was just repeating for our our listeners. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it, full sixty four bit um, all in one, and and they took uh, Steve took a, a couple of jabs at at Microsoft's OS um, product strategy, and the first was this where where he said, you know, look, we're not doing thirty two and one and sixty four and one. We've we've bundled them to together. It's seamless for the user. You know, it, it's actually uh, seamless for the developer, assuming that they, they develop a 64-bit app. It'll apparently Xcode will, will compile dual binaries and and uh, and it'll just run the right one regardless or depending on, on what system they're on, uh, you know, what, what kind of hardware they're on. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that, was, that was huge. Uh, so – you know, it, it, it's huge for okay. the developers. You could tell it, it, as some of these things were announced, you know, different pockets of the crowd <laughs> applauded differently. And, and you could tell it was developers that had been able to follow all the rules and use all of Apple's toolbox calls. You know, they get all this stuff for free, right? They don't have to re, re-engineer uh, their apps. And maybe the 64-bit stuff uh, is a little different. <laughs> but a lot of these features, if you did things right and you did things – well, right. If you did things according to Apple's guidelines – all you do is recompile and it's done, you know. Whereas uh, if you didn't, and you could tell, you know, there was there was definitely uh, different contingents that felt differently about these mm-hmm. these various features. So, oh yeah, like I think sixty four bit is probably limited to you know being being a software guy myself is probably you know the high performance crowd is really into that or the grid computing crowd for a lot of other people it probably doesn't make a you know big difference. But but yeah. And, you know, another feature, which I think, uh, now this is something I think is new, correct me if I'm wrong, but core animation. That's right. I don't recall that being one of the core services. They have core audio, core, core graphics. Is this a, a new core feature or, or an update to it? Yeah, no, no, this is new. Yeah, don't forget core data, too, okay. is, the, is the other one. But, yeah, yeah, no, core, yep. core animation it was announced as a, as a new feature today. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, not, not being someone that... that Codes in Xcode. I, I can't really speak to to how great it is, but uh, it it sure looks like you know it, it's just a series of libraries. Obviously, that, that you can just hook right into to take advantage of all this stuff that that Apple's uh, Apple's written. So, okay, well that's cool because I think you know especially you know especially for the the, the UI, uh, some of the the prior course services would you know kind of bring you know speed enhancements you know offering it in a common software architecture to access the hardware made more people be able to access that so the core animation may tie in with the uh, you know the id software uh deal there well they're on the same track i don't speculate no i i from what i understand of it i think core animation is more about um it kind of the, like the whole uh, cover flow thing that you've got in iTunes and and hooks like mm-hmm. that. You can you can take advantage of okay. that stuff very easily because right now now they've got you know effectively cover flow in the Finder as well, 
And and I think it was as they were building that that they decided to abstract it out instead of just having it as a library inside iTunes. Now they've abstracted it out to the OS, and anything can take advantage of it, including third-party right. apps with core animation. Um, All right. So so two separation. Yeah. So it, it, there was there's actually um, one thing that looked really cool that that seemed to be taking advantage of some of this stuff, and that was the new iChat. Um, it, it, you oh. know, obviously it's got. Uh, it, the uh, photo booth effects and that sort of thing, and that's just using core image, I believe, if I'm if I'm understanding mm. that correct. Uh, but they also mentioned two things that may not have translated well in the live coverage, and if you haven't seen it, it, it wouldn't blow you away as much. Now, one they just mentioned and is hard to know is better audio quality. Uh, so that's actually a welcome change because normally, now th- this connection notwithstanding, normally Skype sk- Skype audio quality blows away iChat. Uh, so it's nice to see that they're they're enhancing that. Well, what, you know, it remains to be seen how good it is, but nice to see that that's at least getting a nod. The other is these live backgrounds. So the demo that he did was, of course, he, he I chatted Phil Schiller, and uh, and Phil ran through all these different backgrounds that you know made him look like he was in a sea with fishes, or there were waterfalls behind him, and this, that, and the other thing. Now we've seen this in third-party apps, right? Where uh, you've got a third-party app, and it essentially does green screen effects in in iChat, and I think mm-hmm. there's one called Chat FX. However, the difference here is. These third-party apps require a monotone background, and you set a green screen color, and then that's that. With iChat, the, the, the built-in stuff, uh, what you do is, is you say, look, I want to do this. And it says, okay, step out of the frame for like five seconds while we profile your background. And Phil had all kinds of stuff behind him. He had a picture on the wall. There was a lamp, a desk, all kinds. Of, it was a messy background. I mean, not, not messy, but but. There were, you know, it, it wasn't just a white sheet essentially, and so he stepped out of the way for like, you know, three or four seconds, and and he said it was telling him get out of the way, and then okay, now you can come back, and and when he came back, because it had profiled his background, it didn't matter that it was all this, you know, it knew where Phil was, so uh, or it knew what what it knew what Phil was because Phil wasn't background, and what it allowed him to do was obviously do all these crazy effects, but it also allowed him to do some... Uh, it, he could make himself look transparent because the camera knew what was actually behind him. So he could he could make himself transparent. You could see the lamp behind him and you could see the picture like through him. And that, that was actually really yeah. cool. Yeah, it, 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 there, I, I have no idea how, how that would have translated in any of the live coverage that, that, that you know we were doing yeah. there. And that's kind of why I wanted to, to mention it here. It, they really, they really took it to a, another level, and I, I think that's going to be really cool. Obviously, not a whole lot of business purpose uh, for yeah. that particular effect, <laughs> but but certainly a lot of fun. So, yeah. Okay, cool. So I see you mentioned that. Now there were a few things here. I don't know if you uh, was there anything major about either boot camp or dashboard that you thought was notable or uh, they pretty much where they're at no a camp built into leopard but uh, you know we've mm-hmm. we, they've essentially promised that already um can i talk about time machine or are we at a point where i can do that pretty much i think that's okay. that's the last uh last okay. point they uh or, or less new feature uh so so time machine we all know what it is it's it's their uh smooth easy to use and built-in backup uh, software. Now they say you you have to use another drive. You can hang another drive off your Mac, and we've always known that. 
However, what we didn't know before today was you can also use a network drive. And, and of course, Steve talked about using a drive that you hang off of your airport uh, extreme. Airport ex- – what is it now? The 802.11n, the new base station. It's been a mm-hmm. long day. Extreme. Yeah, extreme, thank you. Uh, that you could hang off of your, your new extreme base station. And if the drive's big enough, multiple Macs can back up to the one drive. So if you've got three or four Macs in your house, you buy one of these base stations, you hang a drive off of it, everybody can back up to this drive and use it as their time machine store. So that's actually pretty cool, uh, being able to, to, to do that. You know, you buy a, a one gig drive or, or <laughs> one gig drive isn't going to do a whole lot, a terabyte drive, 500 gig drive. And, uh, and you know, is that, that one might... tear drive? Are we going to say tear? Is that the going to be the cool like gig tear one tear drive? I guess I, I guess that's what the cool kids will say. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So so Sorry. can we talk about this now, now that now that we've got that? Can we talk about this Safari for Windows thing? Because I have a theory here. Well, I I had one other question. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Talk, we're talking about search here and. I believe in the coverage there was Spotlight across types. Is that correct? Yeah, Spotlight. Now you have the option of of searching across uh, the network, it, assuming you've got access to the the machine, appropriate access to the machine. So yeah, now now Spotlight can search other Macs. And okay, it it was clear, uh, and they didn't. I don't think they stated this, but it's clear that what's happening is it's passing the search parameters to the remote Mac, letting the mm. remote Mac do the search and then coming back with the data. Obviously, that's the, clearly the most efficient way to do this, and, and I can only assume that that's what they did. So, Okay. Before you talked, I was going to say it's clear to me that they've been inspired by Google. Yeah. kind of has a similar, which uh, has some corporate IT people just ripping their hair out. <laughs> Global search, especially you know, on a machine that you're not in front of. But anyways, that's, yeah, it that's is. It is. Cool. It is scary. I've used that Google Desktop for Mac, and it is scary to go to Google on the web and search for something and have it tell me what it's on my Mac. It's like, no, wait a minute, that's a web page. You know, how do you know what's on my Mac? Yeah, but it's also incredibly useful when you need it. That's you the know? problem. So That's, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting I, I'm getting older and, and more conservative. But uh, you know, sometimes when something does something that I want, if there are privacy concerns, maybe I enjoy it having what I want versus yeah. worrying that you know the evil marks of the world are going to mine my data and they're all going to come to my door now and say, "Gee, John, hi, how are you?" Yeah, we have some questions <laughs> so, for you. To have that happen, and I think you commented in the coverage, it's the way it should work. It is the way it should work. I want to happen. I might stop wherever it is. I don't care if it's on the network or whatever. So I think that's great stuff. So um, anyways, to uh, click ahead. So I'm sorry. You you were talking about um, one more thing, right? Safari for Windows. Oh, my gosh. Now, that was one even the Ars Technica Bingo, I don't think, found. And that that was a cute little... Uh, thing that a few of us had looked at. They they always have a little scorecard for what are they going to talk about at WWDC. Sure, but I don't think they even guessed that. That was a total surprise to me. Now, well, you, you, and and before you can talk about Safari for Windows, you have to talk about how they opened the iPhone up to developers, right? Because the iPhone is a closed architecture, 
and and then Apple kind of came in with this this left field angle and said, "Oh no no no, it's not closed. We have the full WebKit in there. It runs full Safari, just like on your desktop. So all you got to do is make your app for Safari, and it'll run on the iPhone." And they showed how they created a uh, uh, um, an internal directory lookup for Apple, and it's just a web page that. That uh, it's fairly slick, and they said it. It's you know only 600 lines of code or something that goes and queries their LDAP server at the office and and lets them look things up, and and you know, you can click on a phone number and apparently somehow it's intelligent enough to know it's a phone number and and it dials off and and all of that good stuff. So we're using Safari now. To me, I think that's a cop out, right? Because you know I but, don't want I don't want to have. It, yeah, it it is it they is they've it a widget. They need to make it a widget, not just a web page. That's right. Yeah. Well, but is it that? And that's my question because, you know, I've looked at things like, um, you know, Dashboard, which is, you know, JavaScript, from what I understand, JavaScript-driven widgets. Uh, Google has their, you know, version on the desktop, which I think are also inspired by JavaScript or another scripting language. So right. is that necessarily open? And as a, a software weenie, I would say kind of. I mean, it doesn't let you get at the guts, but it lets you use scripting language to get at the functionality. So, whether that's an API or open, no. It, it right right now open. it's right now it it was clear from the demo today that it's in Safari and it is bookmarks. Now, whether that will at some mm-hmm. point change and become it like a like a dashboard widget, it, it would have to in order for for it to really catch on. The issue, of course, there is you still can't write an app that. Let's say you want to create uh, some custom dialer for the for the phone, right? Mm-hmm. You can't do that because even though you can dial numbers from within the web interface, you can't access your phone's address book from within the web interface. You know, so so there's so to me that's not an open API. No, no, and and I, I think it's it's a way of of beginning to open it up. I, I think it's a, a first mm-hmm. step to say, okay, look, you know, start doing this and. You know, hopefully they'll be receptive to developer feedback where they say, "Okay, look, this is fine, but uh, you know, this brick wall is getting in the way because of A, B, or C." And 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 then maybe we'll we'll see. I I that said, I do understand their desire to keep the phone stable because third party apps. You know, I'm, oh, a tri- yeah. I'm a Trio user, and third party apps on this thing are the thing that will cause my phone to crash. And not all third party oh, apps, yeah. but yeah, poorly written ones, yeah. But I'm with you. Yeah, as a developer, I know the damage you can do by being having access to <laughs> the entire API. So offering a subset or a scripting language or something is is probably a good first step to see, you know, what what kind of pull it's going to get from the uh, the user. Uh, yeah, because yeah, okay. as you said, you don't want your apps crashing your device and being too open. Uh, maybe a bad thing, as as I think you're 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 suggesting. Maybe I mean I don't know. So, like, uh, no. so so with that in place. That's why Safari exists for Windows because they need Windows developers to be able to test their apps for the iPhone. It's the development environment. Um, what what if they yeah whatever they call it this this week uh, Windows Mobile I think it's called now. No 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 no. Wince? No no well, no. Not, I'm, I'm looking I'm looking way in the future. Why would you even offer Safari on a Windows? 
well, maybe you could put it on a Windows and Mac device. No, so no. Going, the, I, uh, so I, I was just speculating. Okay, no, the no, the idea is now that you can get today, you can get Safari on Windows, which means a Windows developer can start building an iPhone app today and test it in WebKit today because Safari is available for Windows. So I, I think that's the uh, okay. that was the driving force behind uh, behind Safari coming out for Windows. So that okay. so that you're not just you don't have to have a Mac to develop iPhone mm-hmm. apps. And I, I mean, it's pretty. It was pretty clear. I think that that that's the rationale behind it. If they gain some market share with it, so be it. But I think it's yeah. it's just a you know. It was interesting though. I mean, you think about this, right? How long ago did they decide that maybe that this was the right thing to do? You know, okay, we'll, we'll open this up now. And I'm just speculating here. There's no you know, no one's told me anything. But it couldn't have been more than a month or two ago, right? That they decided, yeah, okay, the web interface is the place where third parties can develop this stuff, and then. Almost instantaneously, they said, okay, well, let's just release Safari for Windows. How many other Apple apps have they got running on Windows? I mean, clearly this Safari on Windows thing isn't just a, oh, you know, do you think you can do that in, in, a, in a month or so? I mean, clearly they've, they've been thinking about this for a while, right? How many of their apps do you think they've got ready to go on Windows at a moment's notice? It's just an in, interesting thought. For a future where there is no Mac OS. I, I don't know. It's oh, just, you know, Apple's. They've always. They keep saying Apple's a software company, and that's a message that you know in the that talk that Steve did at at uh, the D five conference. There, he uh, he said Apple, you know, oh, considers yeah, itself a so. software company. It's like, well, mm-hmm. that's not always been the case. I mean, they, look, you know, they're releasing a lot of their money comes from hardware. Now, their hardware sales are fueled by their the software that they write for the hardware. Now, right? they're a media company. That's right. Half of where they get their dough, and I never thought I'd see them grow as quickly as they did. And I'm a, by the way, a very happy investor. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, didn't you see? You saw a little blurb that they're 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 probably not going to split the stock, even though it's uh, you know. I believe I believe levels. I did see something like that. Yeah, that they that they're not going to split the stocks. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So speaking of money, I saw there was almost a riot because they were talking tiered pricing, like some other. Operating systems, but but I I think that was a hey, so spelled. I think that there were three tiers they were talking about, right? Of of pricing for Leopard. Yes. Oh, okay. So let me let me get to that. But first, I, I did want to mention our our sponsor for this show, which is actually a perfect sponsor for uh, for for this particular show and where we are at WWDC is Barebones and their product BB Edit. Now BB Edit is a text editor. In a, in a very basic sense, but it is so much more than that. It is a fantastic programming environment. I use it for PHP. Uh, it's got libraries for basically just about every language you could think of out there, auto-formatting, auto-highlighting, functions that it tracks all the way through. Uh, you can get a function list when you open up a, a document or a piece of code and uh, you can twist open and twist close. You can collapse and expand functions. They've got all sorts of different libraries. BB Edit, if you're doing any sort of coding, uh, I can't imagine living without it. They've got an FTP browser, so you can go and open up files from an FTP server, edit them as if they're local on your Mac, and when you just hit save, it automatically uploads them back to the, uh, to the server. BB Edit from Barebones Software. If you're doing any kind of coding, go ahead and check it out. Okay, so uh, 
the the three pricing points for for Leopard was was yet another stab that uh, that Steve took at Microsoft because he came out and he said we'll have the Leopard Basic Edition for one hundred twenty nine dollars and then we'll have the Leopard Pro Edition for. $129 and then the leopard business edition for $129 and then finally leopard you know ultimate edition for 129 and then he said you know we believe that most customers are going to buy the ultimate edition <laughs> which yeah, was cute yeah. so definitely different approach to keep things simple it's just a uh, don't you know don't, don't try to make it hard for the buyer product <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, and that was yeah. Like I said, he had another dig at Microsoft. It's one version, thirty-two, sixty-four, does everything, all the features. You know, just go ahead and do it. So obviously, that's not Leopard server. Uh, they didn't talk about that. You know, it's, it's you don't get the server product. Uh, yeah, it's a little more. But uh, but yeah. it was funny because the event that you were talking about, where him and uh, Bill were there, is that uh, you know didn't come to blows. They're, uh, you know, they're both. You know, rolling in dough. They're both successful, you know, industry leaders. So, uh, so they they can be nice to each other. Oh yeah, it's kind of fun if they kind of get out. But you know, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think they, you know, they, I think they've been good friends for a very long time. Uh, I think that that was very evident by the uh, by the interview they did at D oh, five. Sure. Yeah, and uh, and they, uh, no, certainly well, competed with each other in, in the early days. I think it was right. oh, is it Pirates of Silicon Valley? Is yep, it, is a watch if you haven't seen it already. Um, it's a very good thing. It talks about all the crazy stuff that went on in Silicon Valley when all these guys like Bill and Steve were just trying to figure out what, what the heck are we doing here and you know, yeah. are we going to be successful? And uh, I think they were. Now, now I also say, uh, in closing here, now, how was the, uh, did you go to the ADC welcome reception? I did, yeah. Now, now of course, you know, technically that's all covered under the, uh, the NDA, but it was just a, you know, group of geeks. Hanging out. It, well, I, I saw I do it have, on the on the website. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it, it's uh, it was just a, you know, it was exactly what it sounds like a welcome reception. I have to say, this is my first WWDC. You know, I go to MacWorld. Mm-hmm. I go to MacWorld every time. I've been going to MacWorld forever. In fact, you and I used to go to Apple Fest together. Mm-hmm. Not <laughs> since, and today was the first time that I was reminded of the vibe at Apple Fest, those early Apple Fests. Mm-hmm. Um, where I it was, I was so comfortable being a geek here, uh, you know. At MacWorld, mm-hmm. especially for me, I mean, it, it's become a, a very business oriented event, and this is certainly very business oriented. But everybody's just a geek, uh, you know. I mean, there's um, everybody here is a geek, and you could even tell from from uh, uh, the keynote speech today. You know, Steve was talking about very off the cuff about yeah, with this new dot Mac thing. You can uh, share your IP address with the cloud and then all your computers know how to contact the rest of them. And the stuff was just rolling off of him. He didn't – he knew his his audience, you know, and I mean he, he didn't make it too complex because he also knew the world was paying attention. But uh, but there was – there's definitely, you know, a, a, an assumed level of expertise among everyone and – I mean, I you know got into conversations with people today about all sorts of different, really, really geeky stuff, and uh, and I, I love it. It's actually a great vibe. I feel very, very at home here, despite the fact that most of the people here do a whole lot more coding than I do. Uh, it, it, I felt very at home. Probably. I'm yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's a, a safe bet. Yeah. So I don't know if we we'll ever see Steve do the the same just pumping developers, developers thing that uh, Balmer did. Well, well, they did have Balmer in the in the keynote. They um, 
one of the things when yeah. Phil when Phil was doing yeah when Phil was doing the uh, the the iChat demo with him, so he did the background uh-huh. thing that that I told you about, and then he said, "Look, what we can do is we can take faces." And he took George Washington's face, and it was actually really cool. It figured out where Phil's huh. mouth was and placed Phil's mouth on mm. George Washington's mouth. And and from what he said, this was all happening. Mm. This you know you take anybody's face and it will it will do this. If he slowed down and stayed still, it actually color matched Phil's <laughs> mouth and hit the color of Phil's the color of George Washington's mouth to Phil. So it really blended in. And then he brought uh, and it, he did the same thing with Balmer, and it, it did the same thing. And <laughs> and so and so while you know Phil's mouth was talking in Balmer's face, he said, uh, "Boy, I really love my Mac," and stuck his tongue out. And and I think either he or or Steve Jobs joked and said mm. and said, "Yeah, this is as close as we'll get to having Balmer here at a keynote." So <clears throat> that's great. Video vandals, your time has come. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to to when when Leopard comes out playing with that new iChat. That's uh, that that should be fun. <laughs> Oh, nice. Well, on, on that note, you know, I think, well, you know, it's getting kind of late out here on the east. I mean, yeah, you're past midnight. Thanks for staying up, John. Yeah. Yeah. I may have to come in uh, late to work. <laughs> you can, you can have your boss, but, uh, uh, have your boss call me. I'll explain everything. You know, you know. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we're past that. I just say I'm going to be late. There you go. That's good. There we go. So, Dave, awesome. Thanks for, uh, you know, being in your room. Uh, I, I know there are probably like a number of massive parties just going on right now, but you're probably tuckered out. So uh. I'm pretty I'm pretty tuckered, yeah. I, I was up early to do the keynote thing this morning, and I'm going to uh, – I think I've got uh, about 45 minutes before the restaurant downstairs closes, so I'm going to go get the uh, – a glass, of, a glass of the Macallan and, and, and perhaps the... Very uh, nice restaurant, a, I must say. Yeah, Puccini and Panetti down here in the lobby. So glass of the Macallan and maybe a, a nice bowl of pasta and then call it a night. So mm, that's, then, that's the plan. That's right. All right. Uh, so that this wraps up uh, Mac Geek Gab number 107. Uh, there are all of those things that I'm usually so smooth about getting to, but since I don't have anything printed here, Cashfly hosting. I'm kill- thank thank you. you. That's right, Cashfly. Thank you, John. The podcast marketplace includes <laughs> the A5 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebones Software, one free download from Audible, but you got to click the link here in the show notes, and PDF Pen from Smile on My Mac. Backbeat Media Podcast Network is responsible for all of the advertising on this show, all the promotion. And uh, visit iPhoneAlley.com. Michael Johnston, he is the one who has converted this for you into AAC and uh, iPhoneAlley.com. Stuff's heating up over there, folks, 18 days away and counting. So, Wow. And I think you want to talk to us, MacGeekGap.com or MacObserver.com podcast. Yeah, Slash podcast, like that's that. right. Yep, feedback at MacGeekGap.com, 206-666-GEEK, and uh, don't get caught. Three. Yeah, and don't get caught. (laughs) We'll see you next week, folks.